Well, would you please uh, take uh, the Word of God and turn with me to the book of Exodus in chapter 14. Exodus and uh, chapter 14. I spent some time uh, last week as we began uh, the chapter. The children of Israel were turned, uh, they changed their direction. They did so because the Lord told them to change direction and they encamp, the Bible says, before Pahai Heroth, between Migdol and the sea. And so, uh, behind them, you have the Egyptian army that comes. Before them, you have the Red Sea and beside them, you have uh, the wilderness where they, it's a flat land and so if the chariots come, there's no sense in running. They are basically entrapped there, and that's where God has led them. And I think, as I mentioned uh, last week, it's important for us to be aware that sometimes God brings us to certain places, and we might sense that God is trying to destroy us, but the truth is He's trying to help us. You know, I'm reminded of um, Jesus Christ after His baptism, The Bible says he was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And so the Spirit led him there. Uh, We know that God um, does not lead us or allow temptation to come into our lives without a way of escape. And so God often tests our faith, and here he is testing the faith of the children of Israel. And often circumstances that happen to our lives, it's important for us, very important for us, although we're not dealing with what they dealt with here in this particular context. We don't have a literal Red Sea crossing moment. I think we all understand that. But nothing in our lives ought to be looked at without the hand of God. And I hope we all understand that, that Oh, I can't believe this happened, or I don't understand why. You know, God God knows. And He is working in our lives. He is working through our lives, and He is, uh, if we understand it as New Testament believers, He is trying to mold us and shape us in the image of Jesus Christ through all those things. And so things will either develop us, uh, strengthen us, increase our faith, or if we're not careful, those same things can crush us and make us bitter. And so they come to this point, and as I mentioned, Moses is going to speak up. The people are afraid. And Moses speaks up, and he gives them good counsel. He tells them, fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. That's a good remedy uh, to think about in our lives when we become afraid or distressed or begin to go through struggle, that we do those things, that we fear not, that we stand still, and the, by faith that we know that God's going to bring us through that. Now, we stop there. 
In verse 14, the Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. We, we stop there right where Moses speaks to the children of Israel. But as we begin in verse 15, uh, something changes. And I, I didn't notice it last time, but I noticed it this time in this study. Verse 15 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Now, it seems here that when Moses left from speaking the people, and you think about Moses standing before the people saying, Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord shall fight for you. And then when he goes and talks to the Lord, he's crying out to the Lord. It's quite a different scene going on. Uh, one Bible commentator says, When Moses stood before the people, he was as a rock. But when he was before the Lord, he was as a broken reed. And so, how does that happen? Well, remember here, we, we do not know what Moses said. Notice verse 15, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? So we don't have the prayer of Moses. We just know the Lord says, Why are you crying out to me? And the word here, when he says, Why criest thou unto me? The word cry here means literally to shrink, which is defined as the following. It means to utter a sharp shrill cry to scream as in sudden fright in horror or anguish. Now it seems contradictory because he stands before the people. He says, fear not, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord will fight for you. And then when he leaves the presence of the people, he goes to God and he's shrinking and shriveling and he's in anguish and horror. And I think we ask ourselves, how, how could that be? I think Moses, no doubt, was in anguish. We could say over the difficult circumstances. The Egyptians are here. There's nowhere to go. But he would also be in anguish, I think, over the words he told the people. He says, fear not. Stand so and see the salvation of the Lord is going to fight for you. Can you imagine leaving the people and thinking to yourself, what if God doesn't deliver? Uh, what if there is no salvation? Uh, what if the Lord doesn't fight for us after I told the people that the Lord would fight for them? And, and this, by the way, is a good reminder for us that um, when our faith struggles, it does not mean that faith is absent. But it reflects here the fact that Moses was a man just like you and I. And sometimes if we're not careful, we might look at Bible... Um, and I, we say characters, but these are real people that really exist. And sometimes we put them in a place that uh, they ought not to be as, you know, above humans. And that's just not the case. Study all the great leaders in the Word of God and you find them filled with failure. And Moses, this would not be his first time. It was not his first time. It wouldn't be his last time. Same for Abraham. Same, by the way, for the Apostle Paul. And so here we see the, the human side of Moses. He stands before the people. And I think sometimes we uh, stand before the people and we have words of wisdom and we encourage people. But often sometimes when we're alone with God, sometimes there's that struggle of, Lord, are you going to do something? Are you going to deliver us? And so the Lord uh, speaks. And so we're going to begin reading now in verse 15. 
We'll read through the end of the chapter, so let's stand together, if you would, with me for the reading of God's Word, unless you are not able to. But Exodus chapter 14, verse 15, and the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod, and stretched out thine hand over the sea, and divided, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them, and I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen, and the angel of God which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them, and the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud of darkness to them. Who? The Egyptians. But it gave light by night to these, the children of Israel so that the one came not near the other all the night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them, to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire, and of the cloud troubled the host of the Egyptians, and took off their chariot wheels, that they drave them heavily, uh, so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. Now, Uh, Remember what Moses, the Lord shall fight for you? (laughs) The Egyptians will say that. God is fighting for them. And the Lord said unto Moses, verse 26, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared. And the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. I want to bring your attention to verse 29. And As I read verse 29 again, I want you to have in mind what Hebrews 11.29 says. Hebrews 11.29 says, By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, 
which the Egyptians assaying to do, they tried to do it, were drowned. Here, Exodus 14, 29 says, But the children of Israel walked upon dry land. I want to preach uh, this morning on by faith, by faith, they walked through. By faith, they walked through with an emphasis on not only faith, but the fact that they walked. They walked through. As I mentioned last week, they were agitated when they saw the Egyptians. But now, they're no longer agitated as they're walking by faith. They are walking through the midst of the sea. Now, I don't know how you would feel in that context, but I would feel, run! (laughs) They didn't run. They walked. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this evening for your word. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to learn some lessons from this passage of Scripture about faith, about trusting you, about having our minds fixed on you. I pray that you would help us to see what faith will do in our lives compared in contrast to what fear does in our lives. And I pray that you would help us to see the result that... uh, comes about because of the exercise of our faith. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So Hebrews eleven twenty nine summarizes this whole chapter. Uh, again, it says, By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do uh, were drowned. And as we look at this passage, there's something that that jumps out of me as we look at this passage, and that is how God divides, uh, puts a division between the Egyptians and the children of Israel. The first time we see that it is in verse 20, when God, with the pillar of the cloud, He divides the Egyptians from the children of Israel, and what the cloud was to the Egyptians was darkness, But the same cloud to the children of Israel was light. So there's a division. But there's also a division in the sense that when they passed through the Red Sea, God divided the the sea with a wall to their right and a wall to their left. And they walked on dry ground. But the Egyptians who tried to do the same were drowned. And in the same sense here that God divided both the children of Israel and the Egyptians. And the result of that, we'll see in verse 31, and I know I'm beginning here in the end, but it's important to see the end as we study the beginning. The Bible says that when the children of Israel, uh, when Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people, notice, feared the Lord and believed the Lord and His servant Moses. So I believe here that The implication is that they both feared the Lord and believed the Lord, and they believed and feared the servant of God, Moses. And so let's see here, because I believe that God did all of this for them, not only to judge the Egyptians and to do something as in judgment for Egypt, but also God was doing something to develop Uh, the children of Israel, as they go through a test of their faith, 
the result of that is they're, they're going to fear the Lord and believe the Lord and also His servant Moses. As we go back here to verse 15, we see here that God speaks to Moses. And as we progress in the passage, we see here that as the Egyptian army was coming upon the children of Israel, they are stuck. There is no way of escape. Uh, verse 9 says that they were beside Pihaheroth before Baal-zephon. And so they're stuck. And as the army of the Egyptians draws nigh, uh, Moses tries to calm the people by telling them, Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Uh, and he declares that the Lord is going to fight for them. But yet now the Lord is going to speak to Moses because Moses evidently, after he leaves the presence of, God, of the people, he goes into the presence of God and he speaks to God and he cries out to God, uh, no doubt in despair and anguish as to what is happening. And I think that to a certain degree is because he is in a place of authority, he is in a place of leadership, and the people are looking to Moses as uh, a as uh, the the source of leadership for leading and guidance for them, and so if this doesn't work out, we could probably say it's over for Moses. It's not a good thing for Moses, and so the Lord is going to comfort Moses as he speaks to him, and he mentions several things to Moses. First of all, he mentions to Moses in verse fifteen that he will deliver the children of Israel. He says this. Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Now as we look here, I, I think it's important to look at the order in which this is found. We keep in mind the summary statement of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29. By faith, they walked through the Red Sea. Now, when we think about them walking by faith, that means that they did not walk by sight. If God says, by faith, they walked through the Red Sea as on dry, on dry land, that means that they did not walk by, by sight. And the order that God gives to Moses here, He tells Moses, Tell the people, first of all, to go forward. Now, for them to go forward, as we look at the text, the Bible says that the cloud came behind them. Well, when they go forward, they go through the Red Sea. So when they're instructed to go forward, it's not just go in the wilderness, it's go forward in the Red Sea. And so the Bible says, by faith they walked through. And so I believe, now this is just me personally, but I believe that they were preparing, they were lifting up uh, their encampment, they were ready to go on the move, they had already decided to go forward, and then God opened the sea as they went forward. So the first, it goes, go forward, verse 15, and then he says to Moses in verse 16, But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And so God tells Moses, I'm going to deliver. Here's the instruction for you, Moses. Tell the people that they go forward. And then I'm going to do something. I'm going to ask you to stretch uh, uh, thy rod and your hand over the sea. 
and then the water is going to be opened up and the people are going to uh, go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. I am going to bring deliverance. So this no doubt would be a comfort for Moses. But the question we ask here is, couldn't God do that without Moses? I think, yes, we could say He could do that without Moses. But remember, verse 31 tells us at the end of the chapter that the people feared the Lord, they believed the Lord, and they feared and believed His servant Moses. And so I believe here that God is not only, God is the one who's going to open the sea. God is the one who's going to send the east wind. But God is going to use Moses. Why? Because He wants Moses to be accepted in the sight of the people. And by why? Because they have already a hard time with Moses. <laughs> they did not accept him initially. Remember, they just complained to Moses. There was that sarcasm when they saw the Egyptians coming. They told Moses, did you bring us out here to die? Was there no graves out in Egypt? Why did you bring us to this place? And so I believe that God uses Moses so that the people can see that, yes, indeed, he is the man of God. He is the one that God has chosen to lead them out of Egyptian bondage. And they ought to fear and believe in him. Just as they fear and believe in God. So God's going to use Moses. And so the Lord gives a confirmation to Moses that he's going to deliver the children of Israel. But by the way, this does not exempt faith. Why? Because they're, going to, they're to go forward by faith before the sea is open. And then Moses is going to stretch forth his rod and his hand and hope that something happens. Can you imagine, you think, and I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of Moses. God says, all right, stretch forth thy rod and the sea's going to be open. And so the people are beginning to move forward. And here's Moses going like this and nothing happens. <laughs> Can you imagine that? That'd be terrifying, wouldn't it? Yeah. It would be. But nonetheless, by faith, Moses is going to do exactly what the Lord says. So the Lord will deliver the children of Israel. But then the Lord will also, I think, as I mentioned here, establish the leadership of Moses by using Moses as the one whom they would see do something so that the sea might be opened. Now, it was the power of God, but God told Moses nonetheless to do that. By the way, at the other side, God would tell Moses again in verse 27 to stretch forth his hand over the sea and the sea will return to his strength. And so Moses is not going to do this on, uh, on the west side of the Red Sea, but he's also going to do this on the east side for not only the waters to be open, but also for the waters to be closed in. And so the Lord will deliver the children of Israel. He will establish the leadership of Moses, but also the Lord will vanquish Pharaoh. And this is what God tells Moses in verse 17. He says, And I, behold, I will harden the heart of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them, and I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. As I mentioned last week here, we find this repeated again and again. Didn't the Egyptian already experience the hand of God? Yes, they did. There's no doubt about that. How could they miss the ten plagues? It was devastating. And yet they, they still have not learned their lesson that God wants them to learn. 
Why? Because he says, when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh. You know what that means here? That God is going to show Pharaoh that he is God. And that Pharaoh is no God at all. Now you would think, well, we already know that. But apparently Pharaoh doesn't know that yet. Now there's debate whether Pharaoh himself died. I believe Pharaoh died. Uh, we'll see that next week uh, where the Bible uh, puts it clearly. Notice in um, verse 4, Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea in chapter 15 of verse 4. And uh, he'll mention again a little later, verse 19 of chapter 15. For the horse of Pharaoh went in with his chariots and with his horsemen into the sea. So I think that's pretty clear. Pharaoh's horse went into the sea. And so God would get honor above Pharaoh. This would be the final humiliation for Pharaoh where he would get to the place where God literally had to physically vanquish him. You see, God had tried to break him down first and he still would not submit himself to the Lord and so finally God uh, exercises this final judgment upon Pharaoh and upon the army of Pharaoh not only vanquishes Pharaoh himself but also all the power behind Pharaoh and so God speaks to Moses and he encourages Moses and tells him what is going to happen but then we see now uh, that God saves the people and God moves in verse 19 the angel of God verse 19 which went before the camp of Israel removed and went behind them and the pillar of the cloud went uh, from before their face and stood behind them and it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud of darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other all the night. Now, I mentioned this verse last week because we began to talk about what we observed, and that is the pillar of cloud. And that is mentioned early on for us, but now we see here, we learn something new that I already mentioned, so it's not new to you, but that the fact that this would be both a source of darkness and light in the sense that it would be a cloud by day and fire by night. Now, I believe here that the cloud by day would preserve them from the heat of the sun in the wilderness. But then by night, it would be a source of light for them where they could see and also perhaps you could say even provide a source of heat. But here we learn something new in that the cloud is going to move and basically divide in this moment the Egyptians from the children of Israel. The cloud that was over them now is going to move behind them, behind them as they're looking towards the Red Sea, which is where they're going forward to. And so the cloud is going to slip behind them and divide the Egyptians from the children of Israel. It's interesting what we learn here, and that is that the Lord divided the nations with a cloud. I think it's interesting here to note, and I mentioned this morning, uh, if you wanted to uh, maybe read this passage before tonight, I mentioned that I believe that they went through the Red Sea by night. Now let me try to show you, although there's not a statement that says they went through the Red Sea by night, let me just show you some of the verses that would give evidence. And so I'm going to try to persuade you with the Word of God, not my opinions. But notice here, the Bible says in verse 20, 
It came, the, the, the cloud, came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud of darkness to them, that's the Egyptians, but it gave light, notice, by night to these, the children of Israel. And so God uses the cloud to be a darkness to the Egyptians, but a light by night to the children of Israel. Well, they would only need night, uh, night by light if they're on the move. You don't need light when you're sleeping. If you're sleeping, you turn the lights off. Uh, you need uh, to, you, you shut your eyes. How many of you sleep with the lights on? Any, anybody here? All right, you, everybody lights the lights off, right? Uh, what? There's a couple children here. So notice as we keep reading, so that the one came not near the other all the night. And Moses, verse 21, stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. So notice here, when did the east wind, when did God send the east wind? He sent the east wind all that night. He did not send the east wind all day and all night, or all night and all day. He sent the east wind all night. That means that the parting only happened during the night. Now, go down to verse 24. Notice what happens. And it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of, a, of the cloud, and troubled the host of the Egyptians, and took off their chariots' wheels, that they drave them heavily, so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. So we see here, in the morning watch, God confuses the Egyptians. But notice as we keep going to verse 26, And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come up upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength, when the morning appeared. So here's the picture, the timeline. God brings a cloud to divide uh, the children of Israel from the Egyptians. The Egyptians are in complete darkness. And God sends a wind all night. And they have the light of the pillar of fire by night to light them. And they begin their journey at nighttime. And in the morning watch... Uh, when the, uh, the, the Egyptians are beginning to pursue them, God is going to confuse them and they recognize in that moment that God is fighting for them. And then when Moses is told by God to stretch forth his hand to have the sea return to his strength, the Bible says that happened when the morning appeared. When the morning appeared. It sets for us a contrast here. I was thinking here about the Lord here dividing the nations with a cloud. And it's interesting here to note that, remember Hebrews 11 says that uh, the, by faith, the children of Israel walked through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians assaying to do were drowned. There's a great contrast here because it seems here that when you look at both of those nations, the Egyptians were in darkness, the children of Israel had light. The children of Israel had light at night. And then when it was day, the Egyptians, when they saw 
that the children of Israel had passed through and they pursued, they go into the Red Sea. They tried to go by the same course. They tried to do what the children of Israel do. They tried to do it by day. And God buried them in the darkness. They all died. So there's a contrast set forth for us where God is dividing and He is providing light by night to the children of Israel who are stepping forward by faith. It would be scary enough to walk through the Red Sea during the day. Can you imagine during the night? But it's interesting here that as we study our text, that the Bible says in uh, verse 28, And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them, but the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea. I uh, just see a complete change in the children of Israel. They were agitated when they had seen the children of Israel. Uh, When they had seen the Egyptian army. They saw them. The Bible says they were sore afraid. They are panicking. They're complaining. They're thinking that this is it. And then when Moses tells them, uh, Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord will fight for you. When they obey the instruction of God, and they, at nighttime, when they see the light of God shining, and the east wind blowing all that night, basically giving them a passageway in the darkness. They're walking by faith in the darkness, notice, with light. The light that God provided for them. Now, as I mentioned last week, when we talk about the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire, that, I believe, is a a good representation of the Holy Spirit because the cloud never left them. It never left them. And I believe that there is an application that we can make here when we think about the fact that we may be going through a dark period of life. And in those dark periods of life, if we have the Spirit of God, He will help us by faith to walk in the light as He is in the light. And that's walking by faith. By the way, in the darkness, it was night. The wind blew all night. At night, they crossed the Red Sea. And when the morning comes, the Egyptians tried to do the same thing. But they could not. The Lord divided the nations with the cloud. They did not have the children, of the, children the, the Egyptians did not have the presence of God. They did not have faith in God that the children of Israel had. And they tried to do what the children of Israel did without faith. But they could not. They could not. The Lord not only divided the nations, but He also divided the Red Sea with the east wind. In uh, verse uh, 28 and 29, we see that uh, all the Egyptians are dead, but the children of Israel, verse 29, walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea. Now, This is repeated, I don't know if you've noticed, but over and over this is repeated, the fact that they walked on dry land. (laughs) Uh, Verse 16, at the end, And the children of Israel 
shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Notice verse 21. Um, and Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and he made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. Notice verse 22. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon dry ground. Verse 29. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea. Uh, notice chapter 15, verse 19. For the horse of Pharaoh went in with his chariots and with his horsemen into the sea, and the Lord brought again the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. Well, there you have it. Over and over again, the Bible repeats for us the idea that it was dry land. Now, I think we all are aware of what would happen. If you could somehow, some way humanly engineer a way to divide waters. You might somehow be able to do it. I don't know if you have a, a huge fan that's able to, to, to blow something here through a sea or, or whatever way. Or sometimes people, they come to the Bible and they try to reason things away. They try to say, well, you know, it was not a sea. It was really a river. And, and uh, they say, well, you know, it was... Uh, it, 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 they, they try to somehow belittle the Word of God as if God didn't really mean that. It's kind of a picture of, uh, of baptism. It's not really real that what happened. No, no, it's real. It's real. Uh, sometimes people say, uh, uh, well, uh, you know, uh, it was just a river and it was, it was, it was knee deep. And so when they were crossed over the river, uh, it was really not that big of a deal. Now, I'm thinking to myself, well, it would be a greater miracle because then God would have to drown all the Egyptians in knee deep water. That's pretty impressive. Either way, it's a miracle. No, no, it was a sea. It was a wall to their, to their left. It was a wall to their right. And God over and over and over again says it was dry ground. Dry ground. As if it had been untouched by water. By the way, Hebrews 11.29 echoes that when he says that by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. It's as if they hadn't walked through the sea at all. That's how dry the land was. And so the point that we see here, I believe that God is simply emphasizing that to show us that this is indeed a miracle. It is not something to belittle. It is not something to discount. This is the hand of God because we know with all of the cattle and all the things that they had and all the people, by the way, two million people walking. Can you imagine the mess if it was muddy? The difficulties to go through uh, the, the Red Sea uh, if it had just been dried up and the bottom had been all uh, soggy and all those things. No, it was completely dried up. And by the way, that is mentioned all throughout the Bible. Nehemiah brings it up in Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 11. All throughout the book of Psalms, the idea of dry land is repeated all throughout the book of Psalms. And even in the New Testament, it is mentioned. And so this is what God did. He divided the Red Sea with the east wind. The children of Israel walked on dry ground. The Egyptians were buried under the water completely. In uh, Exodus, notice 15 verse 8. 
An in- interesting expression is found. Now this is Moses singing after this happens. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. By the way, this is Moses recognizing that it was not his power or his rod that did anything. It was the nostrils of the living God. The flood stood upright as in heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. And so here, basically, the idea here is that the, the, the seabed was dry and hard. God did that by his nostrils. So verse 29, the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them in their right hand and on their feet. I, I can't really picture, obviously we don't, we don't have picture, and I know sometimes there's representations when you do uh, Bible stories for children about what things look like. But I'm trying to set forth for us a contrast. What we're talking about, Hebrews eleven twenty eight. by faith they walked through. And I just think of when they saw the Egyptians, they were sore afraid. But something happened in between that, where now by faith, they're walking through. They're walking through. And I think about our lives and I think about sometimes things happen in our lives. We get disturbed. We get agitated. Hence, Moses saying, fear not and stand still. Stop your agitation. Uh, Stop your work of the flesh. Stop being so afraid and see the salvation of the Lord. And by faith, they they went forward. And by faith, they, they walked through. They didn't run. They were not panicked. Uh, they, they were not thinking to themselves, well, hurry up and get to the other side or else they're, they're going to catch us. Uh, they're they're going to come upon us. No, it was not like that at all. They, they walked through without any agitation, without any fear, in calmness and in peace, walking through the Red Sea. Now, Let's not forget that they were obedient to the Lord. They had to go forward. As they went forward, God sent an east wind all that night, and they took all that night to get through to the other side. What was the result of that? Well, verse 30 says, The Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. Notice, And the people fear the Lord and believe the Lord and His servant Moses. Now as much as this seems like just, I think this is the the important part of I believe what was God trying to do in their lives. The result is mentioned for us. First of all, the result is number one is they fear the Lord. Now see that verse 31. The people feared the Lord. Now hold your place here and go back to verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptian marched after them, and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Do you notice here? They saw the Egyptians, and they were sore afraid. They said, Oh God, what have you done? 
And then now they come on the other side and they fear the Lord. They saw what God did and they fear the Lord. You see, it's important for us to learn that the, the fear of the Lord relieves us from all other fears. The fear of the Lord relieves us from all lesser fears. Uh, by, by the way, when they, and by the and one, notice the, the one was, they were so afraid because of what they saw. It was their sight. What, what they saw, they couldn't get it out of their mind. They couldn't get it out of their heart. They expressed to Moses that you've brought us here to die. They thought this was the, the end of their life. That's how, uh, how in despair they were. They thought that there was no moving forward. This is the end. We're done. It's over. That's what sight will do, by the way. You live by sight. That's how your life will be described. Oh, look at all that's going on around us. Well, look at what has happened to me. And, and look at what's going on here. And, and we get so distressed by what we see. And sometimes we have, God, have to have God come and interrupt us and says, Don't fear. Be still. See the salvation of the Lord. And the result of that is they're able to, by faith, walk. Take a slow walk. And so understand here. You see... The flesh feels like we got to do something. Run! And faith says, let's just trust the Lord and walk. Let's just peacefully walk and follow the Lord. And the result of that is they, they fear the Lord. It's almost like by faith, we fear the Lord. And all of a sudden, the fear that we once experienced is gone. The fear of the Egyptians here. No, they have a fear of God. Not only do they fear the Lord, but the Bible says they believe the Lord. Now, it's interesting here because Hebrews 11 says, by faith they walk through. So we would say here, by the way, that's an amen. He, he agrees with the preaching. So by faith, the Bible says they pass through. So when they move forward, they move forward by faith. But here at the end, when they're on the other side, they see what God did. Then the Bible says they believe God. And so, uh, do they believe God afterwards or before? Uh, both. Both. You see, the greatest promoter of faith is the exercise of faith. Let me say that again. The greatest promoter of faith is the exercise of faith. You know why we don't get our, our faith increased? Because we never exercise it. Because we never get to the place where we allow God to step in and to, and, and to, and to have His way. No, we got to have the works of the flesh. we got to step in. we got to uh, uh, take control. we got to change things around. And we, we don't have time to believe God. We don't have time to stand still. We don't have time to say, well, I'll just kind of wait to see how God's going to allow this to turn out. We don't have time for that. And so we become agitated and we don't have time to believe God, but I believe that the great, greatest promoter of faith is the exercise of faith. And what I'm saying to us is that, I, I don't, and I've mentioned this before, God is not looking for great faith. 
I believe that God is simply looking for little faith. Jesus says, He that hath the faith as of a grain of mustard seed shall move mountains. The point here is not how great your faith is. The point is, if you have a little faith in a great God, we can't move mountains, we know that. But a little faith in the God who can will go a long way. And if we just have a little bit of faith of what God says, and by the way, a little bit of how is that demonstrated? It's demonstrated in just us simply doing this. When everything goes wrong in our lives, simply us saying, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to stand still. And I'll see the salvation of the Lord. I'm going to stop my agitation. And now in this moment, I'm going to say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. And so that simple exercise, when we come to the other side, and by the way, what that does for us is not only just good in the, in, on the other side, but it's good for us in the process. Why? Because they walk through the Red Sea. You see, the exercise of our faith, the benefit of the exercise of our faith is not just in what the result that comes out of it. It's in the process of getting there. They fear the Lord. They believe the Lord. And they feared and believed the Lord's servant, Moses. You know, there would be a constant struggle between Moses and the children of Israel. There, there's something about human nature that does not like authority. And by the way, they're, they're complaining about Moses, but let's be reminded they're complaining to God. Moses was just God's representative. As a matter of fact, when they complain to Moses, God says they're complaining about me. And so they, they were rebels against God. Not, not just Moses. Uh, but God is, is helping Moses to be uh, reverence in the sight of the people. But, but I want you to hold your place here and go with me to the book of Daniel. I, I want to bring something out. You know, the result of... Um, of the crossing of the Red Sea is the salvation, the physical salvation, the physical deliverance of the children of Israel. They would never see again the Egyptians. The Egyptians would never again rule over them. So wonderful victory, wonderful deliverance. And so I have a question though. I, I don't think that we can uh, say because we don't have a divine revelation as Moses did that God says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to work out this thing and I'm going to um, deliver the people. That's what I'm going to do. You're going to do this. And then I'm going to be honored above the Pharaoh. And then you see the moving of the cloud and the parting of the Red Sea. And they walk through and they see God destroy the host of the Egyptians. And they're on the other side. And everything. great, wonderful victory. And so... Uh, in the primary application, we cannot make this primary application for us. We don't have a Red Sea crossing moment. Literally. We do, we're not going to have that. In the book of Daniel, how can we apply that? What, what if we say, well, what if we believe God, 
that things will work out and then things don't work out like we thought they would. Have you thought about that? Well, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego were in that type of situation. In Daniel chapter 3, if you notice with me now, we know that uh, Nebuchadnezzar, he made an image of himself. The people were to bow down on the sound of music and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down to the statue of Nebuchadnezzar. And in verse 13, the Bible says, Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Now that's a, that's a good question. Uh, do you have a God that because you refuse to bow down, do you think your God is going to deliver you out of my hands? Notice verse 16. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve, notice, is able to deliver us. Is that a statement of faith? God is able to deliver us. From the burning fiery furnace. And notice, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Well, that sounds like a statement of faith. They're ready to go through the burning fiery furnace and trust God that God's going to deliver them. But notice verse 18. What's the next three words? But if not. But if not what? If God does not deliver us. Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Do we understand here that whether they were delivered or not does not change the, that the object of their faith was God? The fact that God was able to deliver them, whether he delivered them or not, they would still serve the Lord. I think what we need today is some but if not Christians. Because sometimes if we're not careful, we'll go to Exodus chapter 14. says, well, look, God brought them through and I believe that God's going to work things out for me in my life in, in this way and because that's what I think that should, it's, it's, it's going to look like. This is what I would like it to look like on the other side. And so since God did it for the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 14, He's going to do it for me. And we have to be careful with that. I think what is appropriate for us to say is, look, I know that God can deliver me. I know that God can work this out. But if God chooses not to, I will still believe God. I will still trust God. If God does not deliver me. I fear today that we put some ultimatums on God and we say, well, God, if you work this out according to what I want, then I will keep serving you. But if you don't do what I want, God, then I won't serve you anymore. 
That's not faith. That's you making yourself God. That's you making yourself God. Where you're trying to get God to bend to your will. And not you saying like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If we die, so be it. So the application is, is God able to deliver us? Yes, He is. And by faith, we will walk through. Now it's interesting. What were they doing in the furnace? They were walking. There's not a lot of room in the furnace. They're walking around. And there was a fourth man in there, like unto the Son of God. And I was thinking to myself, you know, if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had died there, it was in the fiery furnace that they walked with the Son of God. What would you rather have? Have your, your way in your life? Command God around into what you want Him to do for you? Or you rather experienced God walking with you in the fiery furnace, in the difficulty, in the trial? You see, the only time, and as far as we know, the only time that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego ever experienced the Son of God walking with them was in the fiery furnace. To our knowledge, there's no other time in their entire lives when they experienced that. But it was only in the furnace. No other time. You know, I'm reminded of Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, in darkness, thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You see, the greatest privilege of us as Christians is when by faith, as Moses, is when we see Him who is invisible. And we walk together through the trials and the difficulties. You see, by faith, they walk through. If you're going through difficulties, can I encourage you with those words? By faith, you can walk through. By faith, you, you, you don't have to be agitated. You don't have to be panicked. By faith, you can walk through with the Lord.